Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Reading from Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. And it reads, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can come take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. If each one should carry their own load, nevertheless, the one who receives instructions in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh that they will all reap. Destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit they will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word. Lord, we ask that you would move by your spirit, saturate this place with your presence. We ask that the word will come forth, bring light, bring new life. Let it change, heal, deliver, set free. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. It's good to be back together, amen. If you are with us for the first time, I just want to extend a welcome. My name is Ray. I'm the pastor here at the church, and it is an honor to have you with us in this time of worship. Uh, you're stepping into a, uh, a season in which we are uh, traditionally going through the Gospel of John, but as some of you who are uh, familiar here may note, today we just made a little, little shift out of that to Galatians chapter 6. So you may be wondering why, so let's just get that out of the way. Uh, we ended last week on the first half of uh, John chapter 12, and you'll remember that that is the point in which Jesus is making his entry into uh, Jerusalem, and uh, you'll note that next week is Palm Sunday, and it would make sense for us to not jump to John chapter 13 just yet, because John chapter 12 is all about Palm Sunday, and so we'll pick John chapter 12 up again next week, and uh, so we just made a little detour, just kind of check out something else for a minute here, and... <clears throat> Today is also the day in which we commission and send our team that's heading to Haiti. And so I wanted to uh, craft a message that would be specific to, uh, to gearing that team up and getting them ready 
with our blessings to go and to, to serve faithfully. So uh, as we all join together in the study of Galatians chapter 6, if you don't have your Bible open, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and do that now, and, uh, because we already read it, but we're going to look at it a couple of times. So go ahead and grab a Bible. There's one in front of you or around you. If you don't have one, look for somebody else who might be sitting alone and go look off of theirs. <clears throat> have lunch afterwards. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. How many of us know that, that sometimes it, it's hard to be easy with people? How many of us know sometimes it's hard to be easy? Yeah, some people raise their hand and like, yeah, I'm, I'm with, yes. Come on, come on, let's be more honest. I know everybody knows this a little bit. Sometimes it's just hard to be easy with people, amen? Yes. Come on, if you, if, if you don't have your hand up, we haven't hung out enough. I know it's hard. It's hard, right? It's hard. We, we, all, we all do our best. We've all been trained well. We've been brought up well. Moms and dads have instructed us well. We're still trying to honor our grandparents and things of the sort, so we're trying to do the P's and Q's thing. So we, we try our best to be nice to people, but, but that gets hard sometimes, right? Come on. If, you, if you're married, you can nod. You can nod, because <laughs> even though you're not nodding, they're nodding next to you, so you might as well just be in agreement, right? Be in agreement. So it's, it's hard sometimes, but uh, how many of us also know this? There's something striking when people are really nice to people. When, when, when you experience something, somebody dealing gently with somebody or, or some, somebody just uh, speaking very kindly about somebody, there's something like whew, special about that. There's a, there's a breath of fresh air about it. How many of us enjoy Chick-fil-A? Come on, we enjoy Chick-fil-A, okay? All right, we enjoy Chick-fil-A for two reasons. Number one... Number one, while it's fast, it's also friendly. Amen? Amen? All right, right, right. I don't know how they get their people. The, the second thing I was going to say is they have that special Chick-fil-A sauce. And I don't know what's in that sauce, but I always want more of it. I always want more of it. And so, uh, you okay? Okay. Uh, I, I don't know what's in the Chick-fil-A sauce, but I always want more of it. But, but here, here's where I'm going with this. I, I had a chance to tour the uh, Chick-fil-A factory about a year ago. I was down with Ricky and Rick, and we went down and we took a tour. And I know some other people did that too, right? Got a chance to tour around Chick-fil-A headquarters. Let me just tell you, it's not just at the cash register that people talk like that. Like, they just always talk like that. They're holding the door for you, going into the bathroom, like, it's my pleasure to do this. Really? Wow, wow. <clears throat> but there's something that when you experience somebody who is dealing softly with somebody, gently with somebody, kindly with somebody, you're just like, something special about that. I love the fact that Paul, uh, here in, in Galatians 6 at the beginning of the chapter, he says, he says, when you find someone who is messing up, you catch somebody in their stuff. When somebody stumbles and falls, deal gently with them. Deal gently with them. Now, the part that he says, not just deal gently with them, he says, restore them. Restore them. Now, to really, really to understand where Paul's going here, we've got to think of some of the other things that Paul wrote. See, Paul's talked a lot about the ministry of reconciliation. You guys remember we talked about this a while back, the ministry of reconciliation. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and flip over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, and uh, we're going to look in uh, uh, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me hear, it's just, just a couple pages back for you. Shouldn't be too far. There you go. I heard a couple amens in our church. We've got a tradition. We yell out amen when we get to that place. 2 Corinthians 5.11. 5.11. Let me hear an amen. 
Okay, here we go. Since then, we know that it is, it is to fear the Lord we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you, to you again, we, we, but, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our, in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one from a worldly place. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do not do that any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul, talking to the church in Corinth, is talking about this idea of being reconciled, being brought back, being made right, being, being reconnected. You know, Jesus talks about uh, being, the, being the, uh, the vine and the branches and being grafted in, right? Being replanted in. I want to I say to us this morning that uh, the church, we, we are meant to, we are meant to be about restoring, bringing back together, putting back in its right place, each one who has fallen, each of us who has slipped on, each of us who found ourselves caught up in something we're not supposed to, the Spirit of God, through the work of the church, begins to deal gently with us as he restores us. Now, now you might be thinking to yourself, but Pastor, uh, dealing gently, sometimes you gotta, you, you see it and you gotta, you gotta call it. You gotta, you gotta get a blunt cut on it. You gotta, you gotta identify what the problem is and you gotta eradicate the problem. And I say, that's true. Thank you that you didn't eradicate me on all the times I made my mistakes. But, but, but it is true. At times we got, we gotta put a hard stop to something. But it's always for the purpose of restoring, of, of bringing back. You remember Peter and Jesus had this moment when Jesus was just about to go to the cross. And, and he says to Peter, uh, you know, Peter, before I die, um, you're going to mess up three times. And Peter says, no, that's crazy, Jesus. Like, I'm on your side. And, and then you know how the story goes. Peter does mess up a couple of times. And, and he has this epiphany like, wow, I did blow it. And and then Jesus dies, and Jesus resurrects, and Peter runs to the tomb, and the tomb is empty, and and then Peter's like, oh man, like I'm excited, and I blew it, and I blew it. And Jesus, in his moment of coming back before the people of God, comes before Peter. Peter, the one who blew it, and he doesn't dismiss Peter. Though Peter blew it, matter of fact, probably the last thing that Jesus remembered when he was on the cross was Peter just blew it, right? Peter, I, that, 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 I don't think that's blasphemous, but it, he probably did remember it, though. You know, like, Peter, you blew it. 
And I'm going to die for that. And I'm okay with that. But he comes back and he restores Peter. How many of you have been restored by the Lord? You don't need to raise your hand. You can raise your hand. But <laughs> that's fine. But, but, but think about this. Any of us can honestly say, yeah, fallen, probably through others, came alongside, brought me out of what I was once in, and restored me. I'm whole again. Or I'm, I'm on my way again. I've got a, I've got a good friend who has uh, recently been attending one of our meetings that we have here at the church and uh, had battled for a long time with some addictions. And uh, he, he, he's, he's like zealous for God right now. He's excited to tell everybody about what God has done to restore his life, to, to turn him around. But that happened in part because God brought him out of it, but also because God restored him. He's restored. He's able to, he's able to go forward and, and testify again of, it, of his value and his worth in the Lord and, and, and God's willingness to, to say, yeah, you blew it. There's no excuse in that. You blew it. But I've done some work for that. I can handle that. And I still got something ahead of you. So, so Paul charges the church, if someone is caught in their mess, those of us who live by the Spirit should be restoring them. We should be reaching out along to, we should be coming alongside of with an intent to move them back to center, with an intent to move them back to the place where the Lord has for them, with an intent to keep them away from the things that had once they had stumbled into and, and yet move them into what God has ahead of them. But there's a word of caution that comes with that. He says, but watch out yourself. Or you may also fall into that same mistake. You ever find yourself, you, again, please don't feel the need to confess this out loud in front of everybody right now. But you ever find yourself in a mess, and when you really thought about it, you say, you know, I never even wanted to be in this mess. I just, I just was tagging along, and now I'm knee-deep in it. Uh, now, now, now I'm in it. I, I don't even know how I got into this mess. We were uh, recently um, re doing, doing, a, doing a, a reading together, and we, we read about this church who had started a nightclub ministry, a nightclub ministry. They, uh, their church was strategically located, and uh, on either side of their church were two uh, nightclubs. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying and not saying Okay, if you don't, just look at somebody else who's smiling and ask them later. All right, <clears throat> and uh, and and so the, the 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 one of the one of the deacons one of the deacons came to the pastor and said, Pastor, I've got an idea. I think we should start ministering to the ladies at the club. And uh, this was a lady who was, and the lady said, uh, and Pastor, we we like we like you to to come with us to this. To which the pastor replied, now, lady, this is a great idea for the first half of that. But if we go in the second half of that, I believe that my, 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 uh, I believe it's not going to go well. 
And as she looked back at pastor, she didn't really understand why he was saying no. But sometimes we just need to be having to, to hear this word of caution. And uh, we need to be reminded that, yes, we're meant to, to walk with people out of their mess. But we do have to be cautious that their mess doesn't become Hours, that we don't fall into the trap simply as we're trying to walk somebody away from it. The pastor had enough common sense to say, if I started going to the club at night to try to minister, my eyes might not be healthy. My mind might not work the way it's supposed to. And so he said, you know what, ladies, I think that's a great place for you to go and for you to minister to these women, but I don't think it's the right occasion to ask the men of the church to join you. I want to say to us today that as we work toward restoring people from their stuff, we also need to be reminded to not take on their stuff, to not fall into those same areas. Now, uh, let's continue on in verse 2. He says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You might be thinking to yourself like I was, well, what is the law of Christ? I mean, Christ had a lot to say here. But, uh, and there is no exact spot in Scripture that says this is the law of Christ. There's the law of Moses, and then, you know, it's kind of all the words of Christ. But if you, if you want to go ahead and flip over to Mark chapter 12 with me, we'll look at that for a minute. Mark chapter 12, it's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Mark chapter 12. And we're going to start in the 28th verse. You'll probably remember it as we start reading it. That was a very soft amen, Pastor. Mark chapter 12, starting in the 28th verse. This is what Jesus says. One of the, well, this, this, this is the, uh, the word of the gospel. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and, and heard them debating and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He, he asked him of all the commandments, which is the most important one. And the most important one, Jesus answered, is, is, is this. Hear, O Israel, the, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. I love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment that is greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is, one, there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, with all, uh, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than any burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered him wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus gives this, this law, this command, this, this invitation that you and I are meant to live by. He says, you know, we're meant to love God and then love others, to love God and love others. And we do that in the mirror of how we naturally love ourselves. But but hear this today. Loving God and loving others in part means that we've got to handle our stuff. We've got to be honest. We've got to be confessional. We've got to be repentive, repentant. We have to be willing to say, that is mine. It's junk. It's not right. And I'm going to work those things out. 
carry each other's burdens, not just mine, but yours and mine together. Let's, let's figure out how the two became one. When, when I was a, not the two became one, scratch that. Let's figure out how the two can work as one, not how the two became one. That's a different sermon for a different time. Carry each, carrying each other's burdens allows us to fulfill the law of Christ. But, but this, if anyone thinks they have for some reason, when they, if anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they're deceiving themselves. You remember Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have, come on, somebody remembers it, what does it say? Romans 3, 23, for all have, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's right. So every one of us has this thing in common. Matter of fact, it says that if you believe that you haven't, you, you, you're saying that God is a liar, that you're actually declaring that God is a liar, right? And so, so every one of us has made our mistakes. We've got our junk. We, we, we've gone away from what God intended. And as a result, every one of us needs the person to our right and to our left to say, you know what, I need someone to walk this road with me. I need someone to be in this with me. The, the, the fellowship time that we experience in church when we walk around and we pass the peace and we hug each other and, and, uh, and some, of, some people who are new to the church are like, wow, they do that for a really long time. Why does it take so long? And for people who are like super like uh, um, introverted, you're like, ah, I got to go to the bathroom now. While they're doing that, I'll come back when it's over, right? But we do that in part because the reality is when we come to worship the Lord, part of our act of worship is saying, I'm in this with others. I'm not doing this alone, right? I can't do this alone. Me and God, yes, yeah, I, I'm pursuing God, but I need Crawford, and I need Michelle, and I need Courtney, and I need all the rest of you to be doing this with me in order to truly pursue after the king. I mean, if I could do it alone, it would look a lot different. If I was all on my own, it would look a lot different, but the reality is I've been made for community. I've been made to, be pers to, to pursue Christ together. That, that each one of us has this within us. Look down with me at, verse, uh, at the second half of 4 and verse 5. Each one should test their own actions then. They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one need to carry their own load. What's the load that you carry? What does that even mean? Each one should carry their own load. If you were to look over at Ephesians chapter 2, you would hear Paul say this. He says that you are God's workmanship. You were crafted by God to, anybody know what it says in 2.10? It says you were crafted by God to do good works as God has prepared in advance for you to do, right? The load that you and I carry is the responsibility, the responsibility to live out what God has in front of us. Sometimes we overcomplicate. How many people overcomplicate things in their life? Come on, let's get, get our arms moving again. You How many people overthink things? You overthink things. You're thinking about it right now, whether you overthink it, right? You, were gonna, you, you didn't want to put your hand up until you thought it, thought it, thought, oh, yeah, that's me, right? Like, we overthink things. We overcomplicate things. You know, people, one of the, one of the main things we overcomplicate is what is the will of God, right? We spend so much time, time, time trying to discern what would God have me do? What would God have me do? What would God have me do? And in reality, the scripture just says God has already prepared in advance what he'd have for you and me to do. So there's an act of obedience to say, I'm just going to walk into what God has right in front of me. When that door opens, I'm going to assume that God wants me to go through it. And when that door closes, 
instead of going through it, I'm going to turn around and go back, right? Right? Like discerning the will of God. That's not to make light of discernment. There is a need for prayer and there's a need for study and there's a need to, to really discern whether or not what you're doing lines up with what God said in his holy word. But for many of us, we get ourselves landlocked. We're, I'm not moving until, until the sky parts, right? Until the clouds are gone and the sun hits that exact spot right there. And you wait. And, and, and I'm, again, I don't want to make light of this. I simply want to say that, that, that we are indeed meant to move forward in the will and the way that God has put in front of us. He's prepared in advance the things that we're meant to do. And, and we can do this. One of the favorite things I've ever heard somebody say, he says, go be good. Why? Because God already declared that you are. So go do what God has ahead of you because he's already declared that it's good, that it's right. Step into it. You never need to discern whether you're going to ask somebody about their relationship with Jesus. God has already declared that he wants you to do it, right? Go out into all the world, preaching the good news. There's no discernment in this. If I see you and you have a pulse, I have the right to ask you. And if you don't have a pulse, I'm praying that before you had it, before your pulse went away, that you did have a right relationship with Jesus. Right? Like, I mean, end of the day, I'm moving with you in one direction. <laughs> Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should hear all good things with their instructor. Now, look, I, 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 love, I love when Paul does this because I'm reminded that, you know, like, that there are some things that we have in common. Right? Like, I mean, he, he sets a really high bar, and, I, and, and most of us, and myself, primary one, we just don't reach that bar just yet. But but this is, this is one spot where I'm like, hey, I got this in common with Paul. I think Paul was simply saying, hey, I want to hear some encouraging words, right? The, the scripture says that those who teach are going to be held to a very high standard, to a very high standard. Those who teach are going to be held to a high standard. Accountability, right? Responsibility for those who they teach, right? There'll come a day maybe where, where the Lord might ask me to give an account for those who, who he has placed in my care to teach. That's a high responsibility. So Paul says in his letter to the church, hey, don't forget, if something good happens, let me know. Let me know. I want to know that this is not in vain, that this is, that this is right, that, that, that God is doing something in your life. You got a testimony to share? God has, has, God, has God moved in your life in some way? Has, has something that's been said in a church at some point in your life stirred you in a way that, that something has moved? Like He just wants to know this. By the way, if you uh, flip over to James chapter 3, you can read about that high calling I was talking about. We're not going to go there now, but James chapter 3 where it talks about this high calling for those who teach and those who lead. And I hear Paul saying, hey, you know what? Like, If something good happens, share the good news. Don't forget to tell me about it. Why? Because here's the truth. I'll come down here with you for a minute. Standing up there and teaching us, it's pretty easy. I mean, it's pretty easy. You study a little bit, you go to school for a minute, and you stand up there and you open your mouth and you just trust that God is going to lead you to speak the way you're supposed to speak. It's pretty easy. What's really hard is when you're kneeling in your prayer closet and you're saying, hey, God, I want to remember, and you start to rattle off the names of the people who are in your church, and you're starting to pray for them in the, in the situations that you know of in their life, and you're wondering, 
God, are you doing something? God, are you healing that marriage? God, are you helping them? Are you releasing that person from what they're in? God, are you, are, are, you, are you meeting the needs that these people have? And your heart is burdened. And you're waiting and waiting to see fruit. Let me, uh, let me speak a word of encouragement to you. I came to this church seven and a half years ago. And, and, uh, and honestly, for those who have been lifelong members, you'll remember that that was a really hard season in the life of this church. And uh, to, 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 to know, uh, to, not because of anything that, that myself or, or my wife or even, you know, the immediate people who had been here during that time had done, simply the will and the way of God. God has been in the business over the last seven years of restoring the church. And so that for seven years we were praying, like, God, are you, are you doing something? Are you awakening something? Are you stirring something? God, let us see some fruit. Give us a sense of hope. And I can hear Paul's voice saying the same thing, like, hey, God, like, I know that I should see, I, I, I can press on in this, that, that this is going in the right direction. And, and I want to say to you today, and I just want to say this as, as a love offering to the Lord, I am so thankful that God over the last few, maybe the last, maybe last year, maybe almost the last 18 months, God has just birthed some fruit. Amen. That, 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 we, that we've seen growth, that we've seen people turn their life over to the Lord, that we've seen young people who've been deployed in the ministry, that we've seen seniors who said, I'm coming alive, I'm going to serve in ways that I haven't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender to God in ways that I hadn't before. We've seen people who said, you know, I'm going I'm to commit my life to my spouse, I'm going to repent of the ways that I've been, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to, like, we've just seen God doing some things and, and awakening some people, and I hope that that encourages you the way that it encourages me, because when I'm in my prayer closet, I'm saying, God, I need you. God, I need to see it because I'm losing hope. These are those moments that I focus in on and say, God, you showed up. God, you allowed us a glimpse. God, I know that we can press forward. Now, I don't need to ask what to do because, God, I know you're going to line it up for me in front. I mean, I don't need to sit here until you move because, God, you're already moving. I'm just simply going to go in the direction that you have for us. But God is so good to see this season right now. And I hope you feel the same way about our church. And I hope you feel the same way about what God is doing. This morning I want to share three things that I hope uh, are both encouraging and, uh, and, and, and allow the Spirit to move. And the first thing I want to say is that you and I are meant to be in the process of restoring. Restoration. Ironically, last night, Michelle and I, uh, after we put the kids to bed, we started a restoration project. We ran out into the RV and we started like tearing out old carpets and and uh, putting in some new floors and and uh, and, and we said well, we're only going to do this for like 30 minutes. <clears throat> it took a little longer. It took a little longer, but uh, but we 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 saw we saw things coming back to life. We saw this kind of old 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 thing look new again. <clears throat> God wants us to be restoring. God wants to restore us. Let's start there. And then God wants us to be walking others in that same direction. How does the Lord need to restore you? What is the area of your life that God is, is yearning to declare victory in? Just simply waiting for you to surrender it. What is it that you keep running to that you, every time you think you got away from it, you, you keep running back to it? Would you open hand that before God today? Restore, restore, restore. I believe that's what God 
wants to do with us. The second thing I want to say is that before we can go, before we can be sent, before we can live out the great commission, we've got to check our hearts. We've got to say, hey, God, here I am. Here's what's going on in me, with me, and through me. God, would you get my heart ready? That's what Paul was saying at the beginning when we talked. I gave you that whole illustration about the pastor and the, uh, the deacon who was suggesting to do ministry in the club at night. It, we have to be able to say, God, here's my heart. Protect it. Do right with it. Clear out the stuff that isn't right. Keep me from the things that, aren't meant, that I'm not meant to go into. Part of what we're trying to get ready for is to send our team to Haiti. I'm so excited to uh, see our partnership continue in Jacmel and excited for the team that will be heading out on Saturday and, and heading down there. And excited to hear great testimonies of what God has done and will do uh, while they're there and even as they come back. And uh, it's been a whole year since we were last there, so we're excited to hear updates of, of how Pastor Jewel is doing and, and how the rest of the congregation are. But the reality is, before we can send our team, we got to have this moment where they come to the table and say, hey, God, here I am. Like, I, I, I've, I've, I've laid, laid my heart before you, God. I, I've made myself available to you, God. I, I simply said, God, would you, would you make right the ways that I've gone wrong? Would you, would you clean up the things that just don't seem so clean in my life? Would you get me ready for what you're going to send me into? God, I surrender to you. And he restores our hearts are, are made right with God. And then, and then we can be sent out. This is what the rest of that passage says. God, uh, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what a man sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh, they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to, to please the spirit from the spirit, they will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary. Focus in with me on verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good. The last thing I want to say this morning is that we can't give up. We can't give up. You say, man, it just seems like I've been pressing in and pressing in and pressing in and I don't see it changing. We can't give up. Man, I, I've talked to my friends so many times about the gospel, but they haven't surrendered their life. We can't give up. I've got up here and I've sang that same song week after week, and it just seems like people aren't singing along. We can't give up. You know, whatever it is, we can't give up. If the Lord has it in front of you, he's declared it for a purpose. He's prepared you for it. Step into the good works that God has ahead of you. Like, let's stand in faith and say, God, I trust what you're doing. I will not give up. It might not all go the way I had anticipated it to go, but I will go in the direction that you placed me in. I mean, I, I'm saying to us today that we're preparing a team to go, but that team is just a team of five. The reality is God's preparing every one of us to go. Now, go might not be Jacques Mel, but go is going to be somewhere. Go might be go home. Go might be go to the grocery store. Go might be to the community garden. Go might be to the, to the welcome center. But wherever you're going to go, God's got a purpose and a plan for it. He's got somebody for you to talk to. He's got an invitation for you to offer somebody. He's got somebody who doesn't yet 
yet know him, who's longing to know him, and you hold for them the invitation. I mean, the reality is God is getting you ready. He's getting me ready. He's alivening the church. He's getting us all pumped and ready for something that he is going to do that is great. And I want to say to us today, he's restoring. I want to say to us today, we've laid our heart before him. We're going to be reminded about that when we come to the table. Now, I just simply want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. Press in. It might be difficult. Press in. It might not go the way you hope. Press in. Would you just go forward in what God places you in? Amen. I want to end on verse 10 where he says, now we have an opportunity. Let us do good to all, all people but especially to those who belong to the family of God. I think before we come to the table this morning, there may be a, a moment where we need to say, God, I'm sorry. And for most of us, it's probably not I'm sorry for how I treated somebody out there. Because we've been trained up pretty well on how to love the world. We live in a, in, a, in a society that suggests you have to love the world. And, and we just naturally have been trained through, through, through teaching on, on how to love the world well. But how are you doing at loving the people in the pew in front and behind you? Let, let me ask you in a, in a more personal way. When was the last time somebody from church that's not, doesn't have the same last name as you came over to your house for dinner? See, I believe that part of what we're being called to as a church is, is to see this investment. You don't need to carry that alone. There's a hundred other people here who want to carry that with you. Would you let them? She doesn't want to carry it alone. Would you offer to carry it with her? He doesn't want to sit by himself. Would you offer to move? Yes, they're in your pew. I noticed it too. Isn't that great? I believe that part of what we're called to is to love the body. We don't always agree with the body, do we? Come on, come on. Let's be more honest. We don't always agree with the body, do we? All right, let, we'll shrink the body down. You don't always agree with the people who live under your roof, do you? Right? Right? Especially, especially if they're younger than you, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm... I'm the oldest one in my family, <laughs> my immediate family. Yeah, I'm the oldest one. So I don't always agree with the people who are young. I, I agree with everybody who's older than me who lives in my house. Ain't nobody else there. It's just <laughs> me, right? <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes we find it difficult to love the body. See, I believe that what we've been pra practicing here for the last couple of months and what we've been talking about really points us to, hones in on, how do we do this well? How do we do this well? Winston Churchill was invited to speak at a graduation, and uh, everybody knew that he was a, a prolific speaker and kind of was depending on him to bring a word that was just going to really rally and galvanize everything that, that these grads had gone through. And he stood up for his one-hour address, and this is what he said. Never 
never, 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 never. And he sat down. And everybody sat there, awe and shocked, wondering why more wasn't said. And eventually, one by one, the crowd stood and applauded this galvanizing message offered to these graduates wasn't something that was going to be hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. It wasn't something that was going to get them charged up for the next 12 or 24 hours. It was a word that they could hang on to for the rest of their days. Don't give up. To all of you, I want to say, don't give up. As Paul says, don't give up doing good. Don't grow weary when doing what's right. Don't give up. Don't give up. The greatest act of what is right is an act that has restored our life. It's an act that has won the battle. It's an act that has declared us free and enabled us to be upright before God again. It's an act that has restored us to God's original intent for you and I to be in direct relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ, on the night before he would be arrested, had a final meal with his closest friends, and he took what was ordinary, and he did something extraordinary. He took bread, as was in the tradition, and he broke it. And he gave it to his friends. He said, this is my body that will be broken for you. Hey, after blessing it, he took the cup and poured it. This cup is the new covenant. My blood shed for you. Paul says to the church that whenever we eat bread and drink from the cup, whenever we gather together for an occasion like this, we are declaring all that he has done, all that he is doing. Friends, I say to you today, not only that, we are declaring that he's coming back again. He has given us a promise. He has gone. That he'll prepare. That he will come back. And that we will be restored with him. Friends, this table is set for every place their hope and trust in Jesus Christ. For everybody who has said, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. For everybody who begins to, has begun to understand that God is restoring us. He's making us right with him and he's preparing us to go out and do what is right.
So I want to say to you today, have you trusted him? Have you trusted him to be your Lord today and forever? Have you given up the rights to your past and your future and said, God, it's yours. I can't change that, and I'm not defining this. Surrender to you. If you haven't, let me help you understand how that goes. Would you have a conversation? Just a moment in your mind, and you say, God, I need you. I don't know everything about you yet, but I need you. I know this. I'm a mess. I've blown it. The things that he was just saying are true. I've sinned as well. No matter how hard I try to get out of it, it seems like I keep going back to it. God, I, I surrender to you. I yield to you. If you'll do that, if you'll embrace God to be the only way for you, he's declared that he will give you a new life one that is yours forever, eternally bound. I'm going to pray for us. During this time of prayer, I want to invite you. Take a moment and just be still. Maybe there's, maybe there's things you need to confess before God. Maybe there's things you just, you just need to say, hey, God, I, I'm sorry. Maybe you just need to celebrate, God, we're, we're doing great, better than we've been for a long time, and I want to live in that joy. But whatever it is, would you have a moment with God? Would you just have a moment and say, God, this is our time. And you can do that in the silence right where you're at while I pray. Father God, God, would you hear us today, God? Would you, would you hear the prayers of, of our hearts as we just, we want to be right with you, God. We want to we come to this meal with excitement and joy because we know that coming to this table, it's, it's the greatest banquet that could ever be had. It's, it's, it's the reminder of all that you've done, but it's also the declaration of, of all that you're going to do. The greatest act of which is you, you, you saved my life. You took me from a way that was wayward and you brought me home. You've given me an identity and a purpose and a name and, and you've declared me to be yours. You, you've given me value. You said I'm worth it. So God, yeah, you, you've got a great, a great list of things that are ahead of us. Great works that are prepared in the world for us to go and do. But God, before any of that, I just want to bring my heart right here. I just want to come right here and say, God, I love you. God, I want to love you. God, I'm with you, and God, I want to be with you. So maybe there's some stuff in my life that needs to be washed out. Maybe there's some things that need to be laid down. Maybe there's some relationships that need to be made right again. Maybe there's some, some, some things that just aren't of you that I need to step away from. But God, I just want to be with you. So I want to yield all those things. I want to yield control of those things. I want to surrender those things. I want to confess those things. I want to, I want to be free that I might be able to step into all that you have for me. And God, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, I pray this prayer for them. Jesus, I need you. I'm lost without you. 
Jesus, I accept you today to be the Lord of my life, to make sense of all these things. Jesus, I pray that you would surround me with people who can help me, who can walk with me, to help me to understand. But more than anything, Jesus, I pray today that I would be eternally bound to you. Would you come into my life? Would you be my Lord and my Savior? As I seek to know you more and more in the days ahead. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.